Hello, all you beautiful people. This is Optimistically Depressed, and I am your host, Ruth McMullen. Thanks so much for joining me. You know, um, for those of you who have been listening to my podcast for the last few weeks, you would know that I've been having a rough go for the past, I think it's been a couple months. Um... I'd been trying some new techniques, which had definitely been helping me. Meditating was one of them. And uh, it definitely helped me kind of calm myself down when I was feeling a bit more anxious about things. But um, I still had this like underlying, like just these thoughts that kind of kept going through my head that was like, I can't do this. Um, And I had to kind of fight against that all day every day. And it was tiring. I was tired. I was worn down and I knew that I needed to get into, uh, get my medication adjusted. And so I, um, I went in yesterday and I saw my wonderful doctor, Dr. Morash. Oh, she's so wonderful. And we got my, she decided to adjust my medication to increase one of them. And, uh, and then she also said that I should get that light, um, those lights that are good with, uh, you know, seasonal affective disorder. I think that's what's called the sad light. And so I went to Costco to pick up one. And while I was there, I discovered that they didn't have it. It was packed full of people. I was already like not feeling great. And I ended up having an anxiety attack. Um, I don't get those, like I don't get them often, I don't think. And I might, I think I got them growing up, but in my adult life, I, I could probably count on one hand how many times I've had one, how many times I've had one. Um, and it was a very unpleasant experience. I was, I was, uh, kind of, I started kind of feeling like, you know, my chest was like a little like tight or something. I just couldn't really breathe properly. And I started trying to walk around. I was thinking maybe I could walk it off. And then it was like, I couldn't really control my breathing. Like it was just like my body wasn't just breathing on its own. I had to like consciously try to like get myself to breathe, but like I couldn't do it properly. It was very bizarre. And then like my chest started hurting. Like I was kind of getting pains in my chest. I got really, really hot. My heart started pounding and I um, thought, okay, I'll just like I had some like coffee and like dried fruit. So it was kind of like, okay, I'll buy these and I'll get out of here. And I went to the line and it was so busy and the line wasn't moving. And then this guy like came and butt in front of me and I was, I was trying to kind of keep my cool. And then I was like, no, no, things are really not okay now. Things are really not okay now. And so I just left my stuff. I went out to my car. I started crying and it wasn't like I was upset and therefore started crying. It was like, I couldn't control my body and I just started crying and my heart was racing and I was like, I had trouble just kind of like sitting still. I was sitting in my car and I was just trying to like kind of hold something or just be okay. Like it was, it was, um, it was an awful, awful experience. And it made me have, have so much more compassion f- for these people, like people that deal with this on a daily basis. And so, you know, it's definitely given me a lot more compassion for people who struggle with anxiety. My, I generally, I generally deal with depression. So I know anxiety is definitely, has definitely been in there, but not to this extreme. And, uh, but one of the things is I'm one of those lucky people that, um, whenever I 
take a new medication or even get my medication adjusted, I, I tend to feel the effects of it very quickly. So I took my new dose of my meds that I take at night last night. And, um, I woke up this morning and I was tired, but that's just because of some of the chaos that's been going on with our house, but I actually felt okay. And I was able to get up and, you know, get the kids to, to school and all that kind of thing. And, and just like, and feel okay through it, which is so relieving because I was so tired when you're feeling low all the time and you're having to talk yourself up all the time, it's so tiring. And I was just so worn down and so tired and just thinking like, maybe I should just end this. And it was one of those things that I was able to kind of step outside of that and kind of be like, okay, I know that I'm just feeling this way because of an illness, because of depression. Um, so, but I, I'm going to have to do something about this. So, you know, I'm very, very fortunate to have an awesome support system and, um, like with my husband and with a couple of really close friends. So I was able to talk to them and then my doctor is incredible and she gets me in, um, quite quickly compared to how long I know a lot of people have to wait. So I'm very fortunate and I'm feeling a lot better today. So yay. Um, Sean's still been having trouble with his hands and now it's kind of spread up to his shoulder. So yesterday he was in bed in pain because his shoulder was actually swollen. He couldn't really move it and he was losing strength in his hands and it's been a rough go with him. So he's going in to be seen by the doctor today. Hopefully, um, he can at least get a stronger painkiller and, uh, we'll help him. It'll help him as we wait for him to see the rheumatoid specialist. So that's what's going on with him. But, um, I think things are, I don't know, I might, it might just be that good old medication but making me feel this, but like, I think, I think things are turning around. So, um, I, uh, want to just also give a, a shout out to Angela with Simple Ritual Skincare. Um, Angela is one of those friends that I can actually talk to about anything. I really appreciate her and she has an incredible product. So definitely check her out simplerituals.ca. Again, that's simplerituals.ca. Go check out her stuff. So I got to interview Kirsten and she is exquisite. Actually, before the podcast, her and I had a conversation about religion and we were both coming at it from a different point of view. And it was a very pleasant conversation. How often can you actually say that? <laughs> like, I don't think often. And it was like, we were both learning from each other. I, I, I mean, I learned a lot from her and it was so easy to talk to her about what I thought and how I felt, even though I knew that she might not necessarily agree with a lot of my thoughts or how I felt, but she didn't like, it was just, it was more like we were learning from each other and it was such a beautiful conversation. And I, I want to see more of those kinds of conversations happening and uh, she has just an incredible story, an incredible story. And she, the person that she is, you know, how she's come out of it so far is so, is so inspiring. And I just, I really, I really love her. She is so like, just, she's so wonderful. And I think that's going to come through very easily in the podcast. So I'm just, I'm very thrilled. I'm so honored to introduce you all to the wonderful Kirsten.
everybody. How you doing? I hope that things are going well for you. I'm excited to have Kirsten here with me. How's it going? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. We we just finished having such a riveting conversation about religion. We did. It was really riveting. <laughs> it was really riveting. And we had to like... I, <laughs> I had to keep cutting myself off to be like, okay, no, 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 but we're going to get to the podcast. Oh, but, but (laughs) one more thing that I wanted to say to you. It's one of those topics where I feel like you could literally talk about it for hours on end. Yes. And it can be, it can be such a, it can be such a fruitful conversation as long as you can just not get offended by everything. Oh yeah. They always say, um, the biggest things you don't want to talk about are sex, politics, and religion. But uh, I usually find a way to sneak one of those in conversation when getting to know somebody. Right? Because you gotta get your feelers out. Yeah, you can, and you can feel like generally what someone might say. Uh, You kind of have like a a good idea about people, I think, before you start those conversations. And if you don't, then you probably shouldn't bring them up at all. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably dangerous territory. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I found that that conversation with you was absolutely fascinating. Thank you. it's honestly like it's something I've always been super passionate about. And I think that uh, I think more people should talk about it, honestly, with like open hearts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, what, we're just doing our best. I, everyone is, right? Yeah. It's all we can ask for. It's all we can ask for. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's just don't don't hate. Yeah, don't hate I people. I know. I know. You're like, all just like everybody's out there screwing up all the time. Like you just got to be open to other people's. Yeah. Like, yeah. how else are you going to grow? Absolutely. Like, hate doesn't grow things. Exactly. What do they say? Change doesn't come from comfort. Kind of applies here, but, you know, it's the same with people. Like, yes. you're never going to get to know somebody unless you open up to the fact that they are human, too. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So I feel like we had, like, a great <laughs> face. <laughs> we did. We had a good face. We yeah. talked about one of the most controversial things to open up a conversation, so that was pretty good. Yeah. And we were both coming from different points of view. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it felt so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. That actually stemmed from, uh, I had, I just knew this guy um, that I worked with that was very religious. And um, I think that before, I was, when I was younger, I was probably a little uncomfortable talking about it. But with mm-hmm. him, because he was uh, so open, even though he was on the opposite end of me, I realized that uh, there's no reason you have to fight about it at all. Like, yeah, it's just about getting to know somebody. And yes. yeah, I know. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm yeah. glad we did that. <laughs> me too. I'm so glad that we did that. I find it so helpful. Like It, it opened the floodgates. It totally yeah. did. Yeah, right? it did. Yeah. Yeah. I have a few people now in my life that I can have like these discussions with who that like who believe very differently than what I do. And yeah. it's like I found that I have grown as a person so much since I've started having these conversations since I stopped being afraid. Absolutely. Yeah. It's and like, you, I feel like you need those people in your life too because um, – you're, I mean, if getting to know somebody and if you're going to be friends with them or more for a long period of time, you're going to have some uncomfortable conversations because no one's perfect. Exactly. And so you've got to be able to hit those nails. Like it, it just has to happen. If you're going to get close to somebody, you're going to find out some messed up stuff about each other. And if you really love them, you're going to have to be able to accept it about them. Yes. Because we're all messed up. Yeah. Oh my God. Are we ever, <laughs> if this podcast isn't proof, holy. Yeah. <laughs> We're all just trying to get by, right? We're all just trying to get by. I know. I know. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And I've been like so deeply depressed for the last week or so. Like it happened so gradually, right? And like, so I, it's just another reminder to myself of like how 
I fall short just in so mm-hmm. many ways and how there's so many invitations for judgment to come in, mm-hmm. you know, like, why can't I just get my act together? Snap out of it. Like, you know, the hardest thing too about having anxiety and depression is that you feel like the whole world notices that mm-hmm. um, yeah. because you're so hyper-focused on it. So you're like, I'm a failure. Everyone knows I'm a failure. And it that's the hardest part is that you don't even realize that it's actually just here. It's all in your mind. And, uh, you know, if you take the steps to help yourself get better, you can usually find a way out of it temporarily. Mm, I mean, like, I know that it's, um, it's a sickness and like I've personally, I've suffered from it my whole life, Mm -hmm. but I think that was one of the big turning points for me when I realized that not everyone sees me the way that I see myself. And that Mm. actually comforted me. I mean, Granted, I had to hear it about a thousand and one times from those said people. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. you know, every time I heard it, I thought to myself, they're right. Mm. I, it's not, I'm I'm the one who feels this way about myself. It's mm. my anxiety. It's my depression talking. And I have to realize that that's all it is. Oh, it's just this oh. angry army in my head. And not every person that I come in contact with feels that way about me. In fact, they probably feel the exact opposite. And it actually makes it a lot easier to deal with. Yes. Yeah. Because it doesn't feel like the whole world is against you anymore. Yes. Yeah. I know. Yes. That's why you have to have such good people in your life that remind you of those things. Right? Yeah. That help remind you of the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can get so caught up in all of these lies. Yeah. Like, I get so caught up in all these lies that I'm telling myself. I know. Oh, my goodness. Like, one one that I hear all the time is, it's just too much. I'm not strong enough. Oh, God, can I relate to that? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. I actually had um, quite a rough week when it comes to that. Um, just, I I mean, I don't know if it's just the creative industry. Like, it could be literally everyone at their jobs. But mm. I feel like depression and anxiety always uh, finds a way to trick you that you're not good enough at what you're doing or... You're not strong enough to handle it if it gets hard and you feel like this weak little thing. And so because you feel this way, you know, you don't try as hard or you don't go for things that you normally would have wanted to go for. Mm -hmm. And you're almost stuck in this box looking at how your life should be, but you can't get there because you're so afraid. And it's like, I think that's one of the hardest things because uh, this week was one of those weeks for me where I just... You know, I saw this opportunity and I couldn't go for it because I was too scared because I was beating myself up about it. And every single one of my friends were like, you're crazy. You're amazing at what you do. You should definitely go out and get it. And, you know, eventually I got there. It just took, you know, 500 shoves in the right direction. But <laughs> yeah. eventually I got there. And yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the kind of week I've been having where I just, you know, everyone tells me, no, you're doing great. You're doing awesome. Just keep going. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm stuck in the same damn place. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know where I'm going or what I'm doing. What do you mean? Uh-huh. But I, yes, that's probably the week you're having too. That is the week I'm having. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like it's, it's tough. It's so tough. Yeah. And like, honestly, like I keep like this week I've been having like thoughts, like like, this is going to get dark for a second. But oh, it's I, okay. I've got a lot of dark for you coming your way. Don't you worry. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Okay. The floodgates are already open. All right. Perfect. So, <laughs> so I was thinking, I was thinking, like, I have, like, a whole bottle full of pills that could just fix it all. Take it all away. Take it all away. And, like, I got kids, right? And on Tuesday, that was a really rough one. 
I was like, uh, I was, I had an anxiety attack and I was like, I had to go lock myself in the bathroom because mm-hmm. my kids are home when it happened. And I was thinking like, I got that bottle of pills. I got that bottle of pills. And then I was thinking, nope, I got the kids home. I can't like, that can't be a thing that they like witness. Like, no, I can't do it. But it actually, like it was actually at that point. Yeah. And then I, and then thankfully, and this is through so much practice and like so many people, I've had to have people tell me that I'm not crazy. And I've had enough people at this point tell me I'm not crazy. Yeah. That I was able to be like, okay, it's okay that I'm not feeling okay right now. Absolutely. I'm not crazy, but I do need help. Yeah. And so I was able to kind of step outside of it, even though I was feeling it, I was right there. Mm-hmm. I was able to step outside of it for a second and call Sean. And I was able to say, Sean, I'm not okay. This is how I'm feeling. Yeah, this is where I'm at. You know, I think one of the scariest things um, about suicide when you're thinking about it, and it it feels so crazy to be able to say this normally right now, but Mm. uh, because most of the time when you have depression and anxiety, every conversation you have happens in your head right? uh, before it ever comes out loud. Exactly. So I think one of the craziest things was that when I was growing up, you know, you always heard about this happening to musicians or uh, famous people or older people who had real issues. And when you were a kid, you were like, I don't have those real issues, but I still feel this. But you don't really take yourself seriously. Mm. And I don't think you actually realize how easy it is to get into that hole until you're older and something happens and you're there. And all of a sudden you look up and you're like, when the hell did I get here? Yes. Like this actually happened to me um, a couple years ago. So now I'm going to get dark on you for a second. All right, let's do it. Um, but, uh, and I mean, it all started when I was a kid. I, I've had anxiety since I was a kid. My mom never actually knew it. She just knew that whenever I would spill my ice cream, I would cry or it would drip the tiniest bit and I would freak out. And she would always think I was this abnormal kid <laughs> because I was freaking out about these little things. But as I got older, I think she started to realize that there was more underlying issues there. Mm-hmm. But, um, Yeah, it all started after this really terrible breakup. Uh, I went, I dated this guy who was definitely mentally, verbally, physically, everything abusive. Oh, he was awful. And it wasn't like that in the beginning, like all relationships that start off like that. It's, it never happens from the very beginning. But, you know, two years in, I started to realize this about him. And when we broke up, I was so beaten down, uh, especially emotionally. I, I thought I was complete shit. I thought no one would ever love me. It was terrible. Um... I had to go to work with my mom and sleep in the office next to hers because I couldn't be alone. And I was afraid of her turning off the light because I was absolutely terrified of just being alone in the dark with all my thoughts and all my feelings and all these experiences that I had with this guy. And I feel like my whole life kind of led me up to that point. Like there had been a lot of disappointing things that had happened in my life, but that was like the one thing where it hit me and I went on medication. Mm. And... Like a lot of people who go through this and go on medication, the first one didn't work really. Yep. <laughs> so you, took, you take the first one, which is supposed to help like old ladies maybe <laughs> who are, are feeling anxiety about getting up out of their walker, you know, like so obviously it wasn't very strong. Um, so, I mean, it, it got me out of bed, which was good. And it got me having conversations, which I needed to have, which was really good, but it didn't get me where I needed to go. And I ended up befriending this person 
that was not a good person to have in my life at the time. Oh, it was probably the worst person I could have chose, Mm -hmm. um, who was really into, uh, putting a lot of her problems into drugs. So for me at that point in time in my life, I was like, well, I'm at like the lowest level I could possibly be. And to feel normal, I should probably take something to make me feel that way. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it, it like, it got to the point where months went by and I was spending thousands of dollars a day and it was terrifying because not only was I scared of my bank account, but I had severe anxiety about where my life was going. And I mean, to her, with her, it was just all like, it was a party. It was trying to make yourself feel good. It was like, you know, and she was so, uh, she was so easy to talk to about depression that I thought I must be doing something right or I'm broken and I, there's no, nothing that's ever going to fix me. So this is the best that I could be doing right now. I mean, the doctor gave me my medication and it's not really working. So clearly I am way more messed up than I thought I was, you know? So I ended up diving into some really terrible things. Um, and then my life took a huge turning point when I was, um, I went to go see this band in Montreal. I went with a friend who kind of knew about my drug use, but I don't think she really knew the depth of it. She just kind of thought, okay, you know, she's partying. She's trying to feel good about her life. Like that's, it's fine. And in all fairness, you don't really see that stuff about your friends unless you're around them all the time and you're looking for it. So at that age, you know, she probably just thought that it was just a party thing. I was just having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we went to Montreal. We went to go see this band. It was a great night. I mean, other than what I'm about to tell you, but <laughs> <laughs> up until that point, it was a really good night. But um, yeah, I, I went into the the bathroom. I was I had actually just gone through a breakup that didn't really mean anything to me. Um, it was just one of those breakups that, you know, you date someone for six months and you're like, wow, we are so not a compatible. <laughs> so that happened. And, okay. uh, yeah, at one point I was, I was really drunk. I was in the bathroom and I had three grams of cocaine with me and the lethal dosage to put in your body at one time is 1.5. Oh, okay. And I, and that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to do at a time. And I put it all out in front of me and I did three grams at once. And it's so terrible to even talk about this because it's, it's not a moment that I'm proud of in my life. Um, and about a handful of people know about it. So it's like, it's really hard telling people about it, but I think that, uh, it has purpose. I think when, um, when you're talking to people about this kind of stuff, especially when it comes to depression, yeah, depression and drugs actually go very well together when you're suffering. So, yeah. but anyway, yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I was, um, in the bathroom by myself I remember Ruth thinking that I don't care if I make it out of this bathroom and it had nothing to do with the guy that I broke up with. It had to do with how messed up I felt inside that I thought, I don't care if I come out of this bathroom alive or dead. I really don't care. And my poor brother was out having a great time watching this band. And here I was suffering by myself in silence, like most people do. And uh, I'm very lucky because I passed out. My vision went completely awire. Um, I started bleeding profusely from my nose. It was really bad. And my brother's girlfriend, even though she didn't know me very well, she cared enough to, she saw that I was gone for a really long time and she uh, came into the bathroom and she saw me sitting on the floor, passed out. And um, I, I could barely answer her, but I remember her saying, you know, are you okay? And I just, I had the tissue in my hand with all the blood on it. And she said, 
did you just start your period? <laughs> Which was kind of funny because in my head I'm thinking, oh my God, no. And that's, you know, this is going to be such a shock for her because poor her, she probably just thinks I need a tampon. Um, so we're, I'm, you know, like it's, I laugh about it now, but it was right. so scary when it happened. And yeah. anyway, she, um, luckily I was, I'm really thankful for her. She climbed under the stall. She saw what really happened. She asked me if I was okay. I was still conscious, but I wasn't really there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she got me out of the bar. She was holding me by the arm. And my brother saw me and, of course, naturally freaked out. He's younger than me. So, you know, he's – even though, like, I'm supposed to be the protective one, I think he saw that and he was like, oh, like, things are a lot worse than I thought they were. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so he saw me. They both tried to hold me, but they were fighting over the fact that I was all messed up. And I ended up walking into oncoming traffic because I couldn't see – and I'm lucky again because his, my brother's girlfriend saw me, grabbed my arm, pulled me out of the street. They took me back to uh, the Airbnb that we were staying at. And my brother just sat with me in the bathroom. And it probably took like an hour for me to really come back to like being sober. Mm-hmm. And I remember he looked at me and he said, please don't ever do that again to me. And that you know the terrible thing is that that wasn't even enough to stop me like that moment was horrible and it's probably my biggest regret mm-hmm. um I'm lucky that I think I, I I'm lucky that I had him there because you know if you have people that don't care about you around situations like that you end up like Jimi Hendrix or any other person that OD'd and didn't have people around that care yeah so um yeah, I'm really lucky that he was around and that my brother's girlfriend was there to uh to help Mm -hmm. Um, but that wasn't even enough to stop me because, you know, when you are depressed and suicidal, they're like you said, like when you're talking about your kids, you know, like it does, it stops you. But at the same time, you're still in the closet with a bottle of pills Mm -hmm. and, you know, you have that crossing thought where you're like, I have kids or I have a brother, I have a family that worries about me, Mm -hmm. but you're still sitting there thinking, God, but I still want to do this. Like, it, why? And it's terrible because you feel so guilty. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I forget where I was going with that. <laughs> but it's, I just, I guess I wanted to relate in the fact that I, uh, it's so hard to picture your life getting to that point mm-hmm. until you're there, until you're in the closet with a bottle of pills. And yeah, you don't even see your life going that way until it, it, until it just happens. It sneaks up on you. It's terrifying that it does that too because... Yeah. You know, I, um, when I was younger, I went to, uh, a couple different funerals for suicides and they are really hard to get through because most people are sitting there asking why. And, you know, when someone dies of a heart attack, you have a little bit of closure there because I mean, not really, but it's, you know, it's a health issue and you're like, okay, maybe this person ate too much saturated fat or a lot of salt. Like you don't know. (laughs) And then, but when it's a suicide and it's some 19 year old boy or 25 year old girl, you're like, what got so bad in their life that they thought this was the only answer? Yeah. So I like, I eventually ended up the happy part of the story is that I ended up, um, getting clean and I'm five years clean. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's great. (laughs) feel a lot better. I can tell you that. Um, (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really hard to picture your life there. I think until it actually just sneaks up on you. And, uh, I think those funerals actually help a lot because it kind of puts your life into perspective. You still have moments. Don't get me wrong. Like I'll, I'll still have moments where 
I kind of forget about that. And, you know, I've lost a friend to suicide before. It's not that I forget about him, but I, I forget the pain of seeing his mother at the funeral. And, you know, when I get in those moments where I'm like, wow, I just really, <laughs> death would be so easy right now, mm-hmm. would help everything. Um, I don't, I kind of remember that feeling of seeing my friend's mother at her son's funeral. And I try to think about my family and sometimes that's all that's all it takes to get me out of it is the fact that I as much as I want to hurt myself and sometimes I don't want to hurt the people that I love yeah yeah it's like it's funny because it (laughs) it, suicide feels like such a selfish thing but it ends up being selfless in the fact that you don't want to hurt other people and that's what ends up bringing you out of it yeah yeah that's really interesting. <laughs> it's really interesting. I know. And like, and the one thing that like, yeah, that is a thing that's pulled me out of the thought a lot. Like mm-hmm. just thinking about Sean and the kids yeah, and like thinking like, I think about like my sister and brother, my mom and mm-hmm. my dad. And, and then I just think like, okay, this isn't, this isn't doing them a favor, but sometimes mm-hmm. you do feel like you're doing them a favor. I know. And right? oh, that's, yeah, that's probably... The fact that it sneaks up on you and the fact that it feels like it sometimes is the only option is the scariest thing because you, yeah, you, you literally feel like you're a burden and that their lives would be so much easier if they didn't have to deal with you. Yeah. Oh, it's, and that's such a terrible thought because, um, you know, I realized actually through my addiction, which I had for probably an ongoing, like three or four years, it was a long time. Okay. I'm, I'm honestly scared of the damage I did to my body. Like thinking back now, I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) but, um, you have to find ways to laugh about it. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, it's gotta be, you gotta find some comfort there. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, like one of the things that I realized and I told my best friend, I was going to talk about this too. So it's really funny that it came up, but, um, one of the things that I realized is that, uh, there are going to be good people for your life. And they're going to be really bad people. They're going to people be people that um, completely take advantage of something that you're going through and make it worse. Yeah. And uh, I think when you're younger, it's really hard to see that mm-hmm. because you just want to believe that everyone's your friend or you want, to, you want to take advantage of how many friends you actually have. And then when you get older, you realize that uh, it really doesn't matter how small your circle is just as long as they're completely tight-knit yes. with you. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, So my best friend, uh, she was going through some stuff at the time and she wasn't, you know, she wasn't around a lot, but that's, that's okay. That's, you know, like that was her journey. She was going through some things and, um, I just kind of got this inkling that I should tell her what I had, what I was going through. Mm -hmm. And so I just sent her a message and was like, I'm really scared. I'm spending all this money that I don't have and I'm going into debt. And I think that this friend that I've been hanging out with isn't doing me any favors when it comes to this, um, but I don't know what to do because she's always there and she's really easy to talk to about these things. And my friend, the amazing woman that she is, said, if you don't tell your mother that you have this problem, I'm going to. And I remember thinking, oh my God, she really just called me on my shit. Like, (laughs) she's really just gonna go with the, I'm gonna tell your family. Like, all right. (laughs) So, I mean, at first I was like panicking because I was like, no, please don't do this. Like, I'm coming to you in... uh, in hopes that, you know, you'll just talk to me. Mm -hmm. And she was like, look, um, obviously talking is not going to get you there. You are far past where I want you to be, like when it comes to this. And uh, you're in like a completely dangerous area of your life. And I I don't want you to go any farther down this rabbit hole. And so 
she made me, literally made me, forced me to tell my mother, which was the scariest conversation of my life because, you know, uh, it sucks even talking to people about depression. But when you say, I have a mental illness and I've been coping with it by doing drugs, <laughs> you know, that's a really rough conversation to have with your parents. <laughs> yeah. They first think, holy shit, where did I fail you? And um, how did I not see this happening underneath my nose? So, I mean, my mom, you know, she claims that she saw it and she probably did in some senses, but uh, yeah, it was through that experience that I realized that you're going to have good people that are in your life that only want the best for you and they cheer you on even if no one's watching. Like, those are the people you want to have in your life, especially when you're suffering from something as terrible as a mental illness because you can't always talk about it and you need people in your life that are actually going to notice it about you. Yes. And I have friends and I mean, even my boyfriend, like he can see a look in my eye and my best friends are the same way. And they're just like, she's anxious. She's stressed. I need to talk to her about something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my best friend's as good as, uh, she'll love this too, but she's as good as I could text her something a certain way. And she just knows she's like, don't feel anxious. Don't feel stressed. I know this is how you're feeling. And she'll just blow me up with like multiple messages of positivity and God, I know. I love her. (laughs) She's a very, very loyal friend. And I think that more people need people like that in their lives. Yes. Because I mean, even even people not dealing with mental illnesses, um, everyone goes through a hard time. And like, you've got to have that one person or multiple people in your circle that you can talk to about these kind of things. Yes. Or else how the heck do you deal with them? You know? Right? Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) Yeah. Because I like was struggling with mental illness for so long and didn't open up and talk about it at all because I was just so afraid of letting people down. And mm-hmm. like, and then finally, I thankfully had people that I was like, I don't think they're going to judge me. I think I'm just going to go for it. Yep. <laughs> and it was fine. Like, I could tell them and they were just so amazing. And then you, you kind of, you're able to tell one person a little something and then you're just kind of like, oh, they didn't reject me. Mm-hmm. And then it all comes down like a waterfall. Right? It all just comes out. You know, trust is like, uh, I mean, it doesn't always work out, especially in relationships, whether platonic or romantic. But trust is kind of like jumping into a pool. You know, you're standing there, you're anxious as to whether or not it's going to be okay. You know deep down in there that it's going to be fine because really, what does it matter if someone judges you anyway? It's, it's your own truth and you can't change that. So there's no reason to be ashamed of it. And, but it's, it's exactly like jumping into a pool. You know, you have to get up the courage to jump in. And once you do, you realize that it's completely fine. There is no sharks in the water. You are completely okay. (laughs) It's going to be cold for a brief 0.5 seconds, but you know, other than that, like you're okay. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. That I like that. Yeah. I haven't thought of it that way before. But it's true. Like, um, I mean, it, like I said, it doesn't always work out. And sometimes people, uh, you know, they're not uh, trustworthy. But um, I guess it's like life is all about trying to find the people that deserve your trust or mm, yeah. don't take advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then another thing that, like, I've, like kind of started to realize more as I've gotten more tired of the way that I've been feeling Mm -hmm. is, you know what, if this person isn't going to, to acknowledge my value or Mm -hmm. accept me through like the way that I'm feeling right now, then I don't want them in my life. Absolutely. I'm not going to waste my time. Well, the hard thing is like, cause you can't change that, right? Yeah. It's like, 
finally acknowledging, yes, you, I know, acknowledging, acknowledging what you can't change. Yes. That's actually, you know, it's funny that we, we started this conversation talking about religion because mm-hmm. um, one of the greatest poems or uh, prayers that I had, you know, I had briefly read over as a child, and mm-hmm. I'm terrible to be the one mentioning this because I'm not well-practiced in religion anymore at all, <laughs> but, um, you know, that uh, give me the, you the know exactly strength. what you mean, yeah, yeah, totally the strength to accept the things I cannot change, the, no, uh something to know the difference I cannot remember for the life of me but that was something my mom loved when I was growing up yeah yes uh the wisdom to know wisdom the to know the difference the courage to do yeah see I know I, yeah, like... I know see I'm messing it up now too I can't but remember. I I do remember it was like God give me the serenity the, or yeah, yeah. This, actually it's called the serenity prayer that's the what serenity I just remember prayer. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah I feel like I should google that and read it out to just make sure that I have it right. Yeah, you probably, honestly, we're probably very close. I think that we are so close that <laughs> we will be amazed at how Well, we remembered we, it. Yeah. I know. It's actually, the sad thing is that it's hanging in my house somewhere, my parents' house, and uh, I've walked by it like 20,000 times, <laughs> and I don't remember it. It's like those small details. It's just like a thing that's in your head, but then when yes. you go to recite it, you're like, uh, yeah. how, how the words go exactly? Here it is. Okay. God grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change. You got that part right. Yep. The courage <laughs> to change the things we can, and the wisdom, wisdom to, to know, know the, the difference. difference. Yes, okay. That's what we it were is. pretty close, you know. We were pretty close. That was pretty good. <laughs> we butchered it a little bit, but <laughs> we Just got a there. Smooch, but yeah. no, it was totally great. Yeah. <laughs> we were almost there. We were like this close. We were this close. And yeah. you know what? As far as life goes, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. All you can hope for is to get like 90% of the way yeah. with anything. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, you know what? That's so freaking amazing. 90%. When when you do get 100%, you're like, you know, I'm pretty amazing and this is a good accomplishment for me. <laughs> yeah. You know what? My amazingness is being acknowledged. (laughs) I've just realized that this is what accomplishments are. Accomplishments are when you reach 100% of your goal. And most things in life are like 80%, you know? (laughs) But when you get that 100, you're like, I'm going to list that off of my accomplishments. (laughs) Yep, totally. Yep. It was right in there. It's very true. But yeah, it's funny that I... uh, that's just been a prayer that's like hung in my house and I'm, I'm not a religious person, but I always really loved that poem because mm-hmm. I, I, it doesn't matter what walk of life you're from. I think that applies to everyone. Yeah. That's a really hard concept to come across too. When you're, um, when you're older is realizing that you cannot change anything mm-hmm. and life is completely filled with like coincidences and mistakes and failures and successes and it's sometimes when you're younger, you set yourself up for failure. I know I did. Oh, definitely. I did too. Oh, yeah. Amen. I, oh God, I believed, I believed that relationships were going to be all perfect and rainbows and butterflies <laughs> and yeah. princes and princesses. And then, you know, like getting older, I was like, wow, this is not <laughs> like that at all. <laughs> sometimes the prince just literally never shows up. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of scary. <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah like it, I think that's really hard when you grow up. You have to realize that uh, life is not always how you want it to be. Some things work out the way you want them to, but and that's really great when they do. Oh yeah, it feels but great. I mean, a lot of the time you can make a dream board, you can plan your whole life, and then things get thrown in the mix that you know you're thrown on this obstacle course, and you're like, where the hell am I even going anymore? Yeah, yeah, yes, I know. 
You know, it seems to me that most of the times, whenever I've chosen a direction and mm-hmm. I'm like, ha that's where I'm going. Yeah. Something changes. Yeah. Like I wanted to go, uh, okay. I wanted to go to school to be an interior decorator. Ooh. Yeah, like oh yeah. That. And I went <laughs> to a private school and it got sold to another school. Oh my God. I had that, that happen sucked. to me. Really? Yes. I'm not even joking. This happened to me. Five years ago, I was going to aesthetic school and my school closed down or got sold. I can't not, I can't remember, but, um, sorry to interrupt you, but, no, no, no. but you I'm, yeah. I'm actually just blown away that this has happened to another pe- person Yeah, because I'm blown away. I was a month away from graduating and they were just like, uh, sorry, we're going to have to transfer you to another school over in uh, Dartmouth. <laughs> and I was like, well, but I paid all this money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Scary. It's scary and cruel. It's cruel. I know. It's so cruel. It yeah. totally is. You don't understand it until you've gone through it too, because you're like, I was, I was, I could see the finish line, you know, it was right there. And yeah. then they were like, um, okay, so we're going to be busy for the next couple of weeks trying to figure out what to do with your life and your money. And, yeah. um, good luck, uh, not freaking out. <laughs> bye. <laughs> yeah, bye. And I was, I was yeah. like, okay, um, all right. Uh, that's not really good with someone with anxiety, but you know, I'll do my best. <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. Worst, worst three weeks of my life trying to figure out. But. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, so with me, it happened right at the beginning of the school year. So oh. I went to, so thankfully I hadn't paid my tuition yet. Yeah. That's I okay. went to pay it. And the person, the woman that I was giving the money to was like, you might want to just, you know what? Don't worry about it right now. You might want to hang on. And like, it's because she knew, right? I'm so thankful to her. Um, what a red flag though. You know what I mean? You're just like, you don't want my money? Like, <laughs> like um, what is yeah. happening? What's happening? <laughs> oh God. Yeah. And then it got sold to another school and then the program completely changed. The person yeah. that ended up teaching us wasn't even qualified, like didn't have any experience. In no the way. Field. Like it was just like, what? So I, I ended up dropping out. Felt like a complete failure. Yeah. And, but thankfully, like, hadn't paid the tuition or anything. So it wasn't like, it was, it was just myself that was wounded. But you not know, my wallet. That is like, that's actually such a good example of um, things get thrown, thrown in the mix and how you end up thinking that it's all your fault. Like, because yeah. I'm sure at that time in your life, you were like, wow, I'm such a failure because I, I can't even complete this or like nothing is working in my life right now and nothing's going right. And somehow, we internalize that and we're like, what's wrong with me? Why didn't this work out? But yeah, the truth is that like it could have happened to anyone really. And there was completely out of your control. Yes. I know. Right. And we just, yeah, we somehow were just like, no, it was my fault. And what didn't, didn't help was that one of my family members actually ended up talking with my future father-in-law. So I was actually staying with my now husband's, but then boyfriend's family. Yeah. They were, they were so, they're so wonderful. And they let me stay with them. And one of my family members called uh, and spoke with my future father-in-law and was like, like she knew what had happened. Mm -hmm. And then she was just like, oh, well, you know, Ruth, she can't stick to anything. And she always, and it was just like, so when I found that out. Panic ensued. yeah, Yeah. I like, I cried I, it was awful because it, it was just like, I already feel that way and mm-hmm. to have like somebody that I look up to say the same thing about me. It's like, that's just hurtful. Oh, it hurts a lot. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh, for goodness sake. And then, yeah, it's like that happened. And like when I was going to go to back to school, to, I was planning on then being a teacher, mm-hmm. which that was another save, save by pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I like registered for classes, went home, found out I was pregnant. Wow. Yeah. And like, so this is when like Sean and I had been married for like three and a half years at this point and we weren't planning on having kids yet because we yeah. got, we were still kids. Like we got yeah. married young. Yeah. And anyway, I went to school for that one year, but then, um, and so I had that schooling and I learned a lot and it was like a very valuable experience. Mm-hmm. I didn't go through obviously with getting my B my BA and then yeah. going into teacher's college, yeah. which now I realize is really good because I would not be a good teacher. <laughs> like I would not be, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be happy. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't make me happy. It's, it's a hard job. Honestly, it's stuff like that that makes me believe that uh, there has to be some kind of magic in the universe, whether it's like spiritual or uh, what it's whatever you believe in, but there is something there that, because I've had moments in my life where I've gone to do something and then something has gotten in the way and I've thought at the time, oh shit, like this is just not, I can't believe this isn't working out. Like this is all I've ever wanted. And then something changes in my life to make me think that maybe that intervened for a reason Mm, and that you end up in a better place because throughout all the really hard stuff that I've been through, like, I mean, the drugs is probably the worst, um, because I mean, the depression and anxiety I'll probably have for the rest of my life. And I've found better ways to deal with it, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was like how I was coping with it at the time that that was probably the worst point in my life. I mean, there's like other things that I couldn't have changed. Like, uh, six or seven years ago, I was sexually assaulted and it's, uh, that was actually a Another point that I wanted to bring up too, because it's one of those things that uh, victims end up blaming themselves. Yeah. It's a lot like depression and anxiety. You think that there's something wrong with you and that you can't be helped and that it's all your fault and somehow you made this happen to you, even though you didn't. Yeah. And um, I think that was another uh, another probably uh, ingredient, I guess, to like my depression and anxiety was that things like that were happening to me and I was thinking, God, I'm so worthless. Like... I can't get, there's no way I can get out of this. Like, I'm just, I'm not worth anyone loving about or loving me or caring about me or respecting me. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you end up, you end up blaming yourself for, uh, all of these things. And it really sucks because, you know, we're talking about things that happen that, uh, are completely out of your control. A lot of stuff like that, uh, is completely out of your control. Like, I mean, for the many years, I blamed myself for the drugs, thinking like, oh, I put myself here. And I still have moments where I say that a lot because it's true. Um, mm. But it's one of those things where like, I didn't, <laughs> I wasn't born and then asked to have a mental illness. You know, it just happened. Yeah. And it was, I mean, granted, like t- how I control it and how I take care of myself through it is totally in my control. But, you know, things that happened to me, like meeting this friend that completely took advantage of me, that's, that's something that could have happened to anybody. Yeah. And getting sexually assaulted, it's something that could have literally happened to anyone. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have a handful of friends that I know that it happened to. Yeah. And that's terrible to say that because they're not even all women. Like, and, uh, but it's just an example of how, um, I forget where I was going with that. Oh, I remember. Um, we were talking about, you know, good things that intervene in our lives. Yeah. Uh, like you finding out you're pregnant, which ended up being like a blessing. Yeah. And I'm sure at the moment you were like, oh my God, I'm a kid. I can't do this. <laughs> like, I'm a kid having a kid. Because like uh, getting married young is one thing, but like when you have kids young, you're probably like, I mean, I've, I've had friends that had kids young, right? I have mm-hmm. a, I have a friend who's 28 and she has a six-year-old kid and that's mm-hmm. not even my youngest friend with a kid. Um, but it's just one of those things that, yeah, intervene in life and it ends up being a blessing in disguise. Yes. Um, I think that one of my, 
uh, one of my favorite things about how I've chosen to deal with my situation or my life thus far mm-hmm. is that you can look at things two different ways. You can look at them like, woe is me, mm-hmm. and never pull yourself out of that hole. Because the truth is that like, you do have a support system, but it's it's all about you. You're the one who has to take care of yourself the most. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, friends definitely helped me get here, but I realized that you know you can look at it like, this is my problem and I have to get myself out of it. Or you can look at yourself as a victim for the rest of your life and you'll never do anything. You'll completely blame yourself for everything and no one no one wants to live like that. It's horrible. It is horrible. But um, yeah, like I think that at some point in my life, something intervened. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what, and maybe it was a series of things mm. that at the time I probably thought, oh, here's another thing <laughs> raining from the sky that's just going to ruin my life, you know? Yeah. But at the, I mean, at the time I probably thought that, but it was just like, it's one small crossroad after another that leads you to a more positive place. And I think I, actually what I just said too, about how you can think of things two different ways. I think that those crossroads in your life can be the same way. Like you can have something happen and think, oh God, this is not, this is not good. (laughs) Like this is not going to work out for me. Mm -hmm. Or you can think that the same way that um, my mom mom always said, it's like the age old mother quote. um, Mm, I love it. When one door opens or like when one door closes, another one opens. Or like some people say, when one door closes, God opens a window or something, you know, there's like all different kinds, but it is when you're put at a crossroad in your life, um, it ends up being that sometimes it can be a blessing, I guess. Um, Mm is what I was trying to say. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, again, like you can, you can look at things like either really negatively or really positively. And, uh, it's very true what they do say, like when one opportunity is not there, then there usually is another one down the road. Mm. And that's a really hard thing to grasp when you have depression because you're like, this is the end of the world. (laughs) This is the end of my world. This is going to end it all. Like I'm done. There's nothing for me after this, but I mean, yeah, after going through so many different things, I think I realized eventually that, and if you have good people in your corner, they'll tell you the same thing too, you know, like you're not a worthless piece of shit and <laughs> you do deserve love yes. and <laughs> oh yeah, don't be so hard on yourself. Like, I mean, those people will tell you those things about yourself to help you get there, but it's really important when you grow up to realize that life is not how you imagine it to be at all times. And, um, if you have a lot of really terrible things happen to you, like I did when I was younger, you eventually get to this point where you have to realize that when one really negative thing comes along, um, eventually there's something positive kind of hiding in there. Mm. There's like a little Easter egg, you know, (laughs) and that's appropriate because Easter just passed, but (laughs) it's literally, it's, it's like that in life too. I feel like there's always a little gift there for you. And sometimes it just takes the positivity to see it. Yes. that's it's really it sucks that it's that way because it's like oh you can only see what's good for you if you're positive about it but I mean it does help in the long run because especially with depression and anxiety and it's one of those things where um the longer you stay down the farther down you're gonna go and it only really ends up helping if you go get help or talk to people or like do things to help yourself feel better because I think it's really important (laughs) to not think of yourself as this sick person. And I do this often. Like, I mean, my friends and my boyfriend can attest to this, that I 
always say this, like, maybe I can't be saved or helped or like, you know, maybe I'm just doomed to be like this for the rest of my life. I get in those episodes all the time. Mm -hmm. But I think it is really important uh, when you're not having those moments to realize that, yeah, it, it may be a sickness or a disease or something that you can't change about yourself, but it is not your fault. And the best thing you can do for yourself is realize that. Like, stop telling yourself that you can change this if you tried, because it's it's unfortunate, but it's, you know, it's just one of those things where um, no one's perfect, and yeah. everyone's going to get given a, a, a bad uh, set of cards to deal with. It's, it's yeah. just going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's a really unfortunate, but mental illness can either be something that's fleeting in your life and happens for a little while, or it can be something that you're stuck with for the rest of your life. But it's not the end of the road, oh, by no means at all. I and I mean, I'm really happy that I'm sitting here saying this, considering the fact that like, you know, when I think back at, to my life and how I tried to kill myself like five years ago, that blows my mind. Mm. It absolutely blows my mind. And I wish I could tell you it was the first time I tried, but it's the first time I really tried. Like, I really didn't care. Like, that was the first time I actually remember letting go. That's the best way I could describe it is I just let go. But I'm sitting here five years later talking about it, and um, that's a hell of a lot better than where I was. Like, I actually, you know, before doing this podcast, I was talking about how only a handful of people in my life knew this story, and that um, it was scary to me thinking that, you know, someone could listen to this and completely know all about that night, because it's it's been such a rough subject to talk about. Mm Because uh, you you don't want to believe that people judge you, but there is always going to be a part of you where people think you you think that people are going to think you're weak, right. and that you can't handle it. Right. And yeah. um, it's terrible to say that because it's a cry for help, and it should be talked about way more. Mm. But um, yeah, it was it was really hard for me. I had probably three <laughs> panic attacks on the way over here, thinking about you know people listening to this and thinking something different about me than because everyone in my life always views me as strong. And so, uh, I was worried that, you know, someone would listen to this and think, wow, she's definitely not who I thought she was, but, um, I'm actually really happy that I did it. I'm so, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. I actually had somebody say something to me recently. It was actually on Instagram. Um, that was so encouraging that I feel applies to this. Oh, I like that. Yeah. (laughs) So he said that, um, P.V. Collins. Shout out P.V. Collins. Awesome. <laughs> little disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's his Instagram handle. Nice. <laughs> um, he said that he finds that people who uh, deal with depression are some of the strongest people because you have to have that strength in order to push through and get from moment to moment mm-hmm. and, and choose to continue to live in that. Absolutely. And then like... In, and to pick yourself up over and over again. Oh, yeah. So the, and you have to do it a lot. <laughs> you have to do it a lot. A lot. <laughs> I lost count of how many times I've had to pick oh. myself up today. So, I was going to say sometimes it's multiple times a day. Sometimes yeah. it's you have a breakdown and then you're fine and then something happens and you have another breakdown. And by the end of the day, you're so exhausted from your own feelings <laughs> and emotions yeah. and thoughts that you're like, I didn't even do anything today except for beat myself up and I'm so exhausted over that. Yes. But that's actually a really interesting um, quote because I once read this quote like a long time ago and I'm probably going to butcher it now, but it was something about how um, scars make you beautiful and there's something that you should be proud of. And I actually think that's true in uh, a lot of different ways, like whether it's physical scars or emotional or mental. 
But I think any situation where you have been beat down and had to get yourself back up again, mm-hmm. whether people have had to help you or you've done it all on your own, that's like, that's something to be proud of. And it's so funny because we all worry about it. You know, we go through something or something happens to us. And my friends do this all the time. You know, that's what girlfriends are for. Mm-hmm. But we all come to each other and we say, well, what if it makes me look this way? And um, maybe I shouldn't make this decision because this could happen. And we're also afraid mm-hmm. of failure, whether it's personal or or occupational or whatever, that we don't end up doing things because of it. And it sucks because, you know, if, if you do fail, then that's just another thing to teach you. Yeah. It's another success on the way. Like failure is not a bad thing and things, terrible things happening to you is not a bad thing. If it sure feels like it during, mm. but you know, if you can sit here years later talking about it and like hoping that someone will hear you and um, realize that they're not alone and you weren't alone and everyone's talking about it now and you're sharing experiences with each other and in hopes to like help the other person. Mm. That's like, that's something to be proud of that you're strong because of that. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I know. I feel the same way. That's a really good quote. Actually. I'm going to remember that. It was so encouraging. It was so encouraging. And it's very true. And I think it's really hard um, to grasp that because like in the lowest points of my life, I would probably hear something like that and think, I'm never going to feel this way, but uh, I don't know. I think it just takes time. And if you're willing to help yourself and let other people help you, then you'd be surprised at the kindness of others. That's the crazy thing. It's the support system that's there for you. Yes. And I mean, I could sit here and talk about things that, you know, like support systems that aren't there for some people, but really like when I actually reached out to my friends and family and told them that I needed help, Mm -hmm. God, there were so many people that were so kind You know, like my friends, my family. I thought my mom was going to kill me when I told her I had a drug problem. I was like, this is my death. She's going to kill me and bury (laughs) me in the backyard. Like it's, that's what's going to happen. I was terrified. We were sitting in a hospital across from each other and I was like, do I need to get the doctor back in here? (laughs) Because um, I was terrified. Right. And like, I I was like probably in my early twenties by then. So like, I shouldn't be afraid of my mother, but Aren't we all? Yeah, we all are. We all are. But yeah, I remember telling her and and thinking like, oh, this is not, this is going to go terrible. She's going to be so disappointed in me and yada, yada, yada. And my mom, um, who's, your parents sometimes are the last people you think of because you just think that they're going to be so disappointed and upset. But you know, my mom cried and she hugged me and just told me that it wasn't my fault and that she was going to do everything in her power to make sure I was okay. And... I mean, there hasn't always been supportive people when talking about, especially drugs, because that's a hard topic. It's a very controversial topic to talk about mm-hmm. um, and abusing them. But uh, yeah, for the most part, like if you just reach out and ask for help and talk about how hard it is for you, and then there's usually people around who want to talk about it with you and want to make sure you're okay. Which is crazy. It's crazy. It's like you. It's like you. You just need to give the people that you love the opportunity to show you how much they love. Exactly. You. Exactly. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. And uh, it's. I think it's really hard um, to do that sometimes because when you beat yourself up so much, you think, if I think this way, then other people think other this people way. Think this way. Yeah. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's funny. We talked about uh, having terrible weeks in the beginning of this, but. Mm. Um, one of the things that actually turned my week around was today. I was having a terrible day, yeah. just <laughs> doubting myself up the yin yang. Like it was just from the beginning of the day to like afternoon, I was just like, well, 
I beat myself up like a day's worth today already. And uh, I even like, I think I honestly, I think I even cried in front of my teacher today. So that was slightly embarrassing, but he handled it really well. Awesome. Um, in front of a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> they're weirdly comforting. Like, yeah. cause you just know that they're, yeah, I don't know. It's, <laughs> but anyway, I, um, yeah, I was at this certain point where I just, I felt so down about myself and I thought that the path that I was going on wasn't, uh, what I wanted and I was afraid that um, I was going to fail somehow. And when I looked at the bigger picture, I was like, that's what I'm really afraid of. I'm not afraid of where I'm going to go for my work term. I'm not afraid of if I'm going to be living in my apartment like a couple months from now. I'm not afraid of, I'm just afraid of not being successful and having to change things about my life and step out of my comfort zone. And then my best friend, one of my best friends, not the one I was talking about earlier, but another really great friend of mine. Mm-hmm. She said the most common quote to me, and I was so mad at myself for not remembering this because I'm such a huge fan of writers and and poetry and quotes that like can change your life. So mm-hmm. I forgot about this, but she looked at me like straight in the eyes and was like, change doesn't come from comfort. And I was like, I know. I was like, I, uh, you're so right. And that's, she elaborated on about how it's, you never find what you love in life if you don't step out of your comfort zone every once in a while. Mm. And immediately after having this conversation with her, I was like, you know, if that's the root of my anxiety, this should make me feel better. And it did. Like when I really thought about it, it's, yeah, like anxiety makes me fearful of absolutely everything. I am scared of walking into a grocery store and having people look at me and not a lot of people know this about me, you know, like I have friends who would have never guessed that I would ever say that. But mm. the truth is that I've, I've texted my boyfriend and said, I just can't go to the grocery store today. I can't do it. I can't see other people. I don't want anyone looking at me. I just mm. want to hide in my hole in the apartment in a blanket and not talk to anyone. Yeah. Like he knows out of everyone that I have days like that. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's like. It's true. Every once in a while, you just have to step out of your comfort zone. And I mean, that's what he does for me, too, is he'll he'll say like, well, I'm right by your side. So if we just go, then maybe you'll feel better. And nine times out of 10, that's exactly what happens. I step out of my comfort zone and I'm awkward and crazy for 90 seconds. And then I'm fine. Totally fine. Yeah. I mean, depression and anxiety is like that. It's like some days you just got to hide in your house and some days you just got to say, okay, like, you know, slap yourself across the face and say, snap out of this. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're fine. Yeah. yeah. It's really up and down. You really never know what you're going to get. You never know. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. I, I, it, it is such a awful, awfully tiring thing to live through. I know. Yeah. And I didn't realize how many people suffer from it. Uh, until listening to people talk about it. And mm. I mean, granted, there's people that suffer from it for a brief period in their life and it's it's been accompanied by a bad breakup or something from their childhood. And then there's people that have been diagnosed with it for their entire lives. Yeah. But either way, it's not, uh, it's like a silent killer, you know? Like it, you really can't see it unless someone talks about it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that I was as bad as I was until I finally heard someone talk about it. Yeah. And sometimes you don't even realize how bad you, like how bad it is in you until you talk about it to someone and you see the look on their face. Yeah. And then you're like, oh wait, 
that's that's not normal. <laughs> and, you're, and you're like, that's, that's my that's normal. my life. Oh my god. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah like, Wait. So you're listening to my life, and it's, it's not good. That's not good. Oh yeah. <laughs> like okay. But I guess on the other end of the spectrum, you know, like uh, there's times where I'd talk about things that I'd gone through, and I'd feel so ashamed of myself that I'd almost say them silently. Like I I my voice would go down, my posture would just completely like I'd cringe almost saying it out loud, and then yeah. someone would grab my hand, and I'd realize that like it's not my fault. I'm okay. It's not my fault. Yeah. And that's, that's the best because it really goes two different, like there's two different ways to that. There's people supporting you and then there's the other end. (laughs) Yeah. But it's true. Like you don't really realize, um, who has it, I guess, until you have a conversation about it, which is exactly why it's so great that you're doing this. Oh, thanks. Because uh, I think more people need to talk about it. And I actually think it's really therapeutic for the people talking about it, not just for the people listening. Um, mm. Because I can tell you that, like, even just sitting here and talking to you for the last 50 minutes, like, I feel a lot better about my day. <laughs> like, That's awesome. Yeah, like, this is exactly what you want, too. Yeah, like, this is exactly what I want. This you is want, exactly what you I want. You want listeners to feel better, and you want the people talking to feel better. Yes. So it's, it's so weird that talking about your problems is so therapeutic. Right? When all we want to do is bottle them in. Like, why is that? <laughs> I don't know why that is. It's That's a fault terrible. in the human condition, <laughs> for sure. For sure. It's like, whoever made us was like, well, you know, you're going to go through stuff, and if you talk about it, it's going to get better. But I'm going to make it so that you don't want to talk about it so that you have more problems to deal with. Yeah. Oh, that's tiring. It's tiring. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And then when it all like bursts out, you're like, oh, yes, I can breathe again. Oh, wow. This feels so good. Yeah. Yeah. And that actually, yeah, that like the last pointer I think I'll talk about is like, I think um, when you have anxiety and depression, you do kind of have to find a way to channel it somehow. And I mean, for me, it's always been through music and writing and oh I can't even tell you how much fitness helps and I mean I'm speaking from a point where I completely lost myself and I I have to get back into the gym because it's the only thing that will save my mental health without medication Mm. but I mean it's whatever kind of endorphins you can release like god that helps so much um I mean I was on anxiety medication and depression uh antidepressants for six years and I just recently decided to get off them because I felt like I no longer needed them in my life. And it's been hard. Like, I've only been off them for six months, five months, six months, I don't know. Mm. And um, it's been really, really, really difficult. And I have had days where I'm I'm like, I need to go back on them. I can't do this. Like, it's way too hard. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, through, like, eating a little better and, like, trying to slowly motivate myself to get back to the gym, even though I'm not doing a very good job, but... <laughs> I'm doing it's, the best that I can. You're doing the best. You yeah. can. We're all just doing the best we can. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, this conversation just made me realize that I really got to like put work into it. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, if finding something to channel uh, how you feel is great. Mm-hmm. I've done it a lot with, um, I'm a big movie lover. Yeah. Which I haven't, I'm surprised I haven't mentioned until now because I'm obsessed. I even put on my resume today, like graphic designer plus film connoisseur like (laughs) that has nothing to do with my job I just want people to know that I love movies and I will talk about them all day (laughs) but um yeah for me that was like 
if I needed my alone time, I'll just sit in front of the TV and watch a really good movie that I know is going to make me feel something. Mm. Um, whether it's really emotional, like, I don't know if you've seen Arrival, but you should. It's so good. Okay. Um, whether it's emotional and like a completely cerebral experience, or if it's something really action packed and I'm just going to feel like, wow, my life isn't as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's something. And, yeah. uh, I mean, music does the same thing for me. There's really sad songs that when you just want to cry it out. Oh, yes. Yeah. There's songs that'll make you do that mm. and there's also songs that'll make you feel really happy and really grateful the things that you have in your life so as long as you find something yeah. I think that's really important yeah even absolutely. if it's even if your something is just talking to people about mental illness like yeah. it's something it's one way to get it out of there yes because the worst thing you can do is bottle it up yes yeah agreed yeah so one question I like to ask everybody is what does it look to you to be mentally healthy um, I guess personally for me, it would be a couple years ago, I was really, really fit and really happy and I didn't need medication and, um, I was really controlling my mental health the best that I could. And I would really like to get back to that. I had an injury happen probably about a year into doing some heavy lifting at the gym mm. and, uh, it was completely my own fault. Like I just didn't hold my form and I slipped I pulled a muscle on my shoulder and it completely depressed me. And I was a time in my life where I just had to tell myself like, now I know this, but you know, back then I didn't, I was like, wow, I'm a complete failure. <laughs> and right. You go through that process over yeah. and over again, no matter what happens in your life. Yeah. But um, now I'm at the point where I'm like, yeah, things happen. <laughs> Shit happens. <laughs> and you just got to pick yourself back up again. So mm-hmm. I think for me, it would be back to where I was a couple years ago where I was like really taking control of my mental health. And, um, the other thing too, is that I think like for me to be mentally healthy, I want to do more things that get me out of my comfort zone. I want to push myself. I want to experience new things. I want to not look back at the rest of my life and regret things. I just want to feel good, feel happy, feel content. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Thanks. (laughs) I've thought about that answer for a long time, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, like people always ask you like, what's normal to you really? Like, and so... If that was my perfect answer, that probably would, that that would be it. I love it. Yeah. That's good. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks so much for making your way here and, and sharing with me. Like, I, I really appreciate it. And it was like, this is a great conversation. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I totally did. I really did. Thank you for making me very strong coffee and waking me up. <laughs> Anytime. Yeah. That's all I needed today. Just a really good conversation and really strong coffee. Really strong coffee. Yeah. That's totally, that's where I'm at. <laughs> For all you coffee haters, like you need to, you need to do something about that. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what you're missing. Coffee's amazing. Coffee's amazing. <laughs> um, and and also to all of you listeners, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us. I hope that this was a conversation that really helped drive home some thoughts and feelings that you that you've been having. And if you have any questions about the podcast, you can definitely reach out. I you can you can catch me at optimistically depressed. Find me on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, and I can definitely pass your questions on to Kristen, and she'll, I'm sure, be happy to answer any questions. Absolutely. Bring them on. Awesome. <laughs> Did you have a handle that you wanted to share? Uh, you know what? Um, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to. I was, I no. just, like, every now and then I remember to ask. I was going to say I'll do like a little shameless plug here. And, yeah, uh, totally. <laughs> my design account actually is Kiki Lee Design. For anybody who's creative and 
wants to see how someone with depression and anxiety handles that through creativity. Yeah. Um, there's always lots of stuff on there. And then my um, regular Instagram that usually always has either pictures of myself or <laughs> uh, influential poems yes. or quotes or some of my own writing is uh, Hibiscus in Halifax. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you. And everybody out there, just remember that I'm sitting here loving you. (laughs) And I hope you have a great night, morning, afternoon, evening, and I will be talking to you again soon. Bye. Bye.